Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Press Play Action. Mitchell Lee alongside my good friend Brandon, too. And today we're going to party like it's 1999 because we are going to review The Sixth Sense and American Beauty. Now, Brandon, you asked me a question about 20 seconds before we started recording here. You said, very interesting pairing of movies, but I don't know why you paired these two together. And that just shows me that you don't listen to me at the end of the podcast, whenever I tell you what's coming up next and kind of why I paired those movies together. So shame oh, on you, Brandon. I know. I know you don't now. listen. My fault. Yeah, but no, go ahead. Tell the, the reason why I paired these movies together is because a few podcasts ago, we talked about the Shawshank Redemption and we talked about the Green Mile, which yeah. was a Best Picture nominated movie in 1999. And we did in 1994 with Shawshank Redemption. We talked about Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump and talked about what should have won the Oscar that year, reviewed those movies. And even though we disagreed with the Forrest Gump decision, we both did enjoy that movie and talked about why we liked it and also why we thought it shouldn't have won Best Picture. And so we're going to do the exact same thing. Maybe we agree with the Academy's decision. Maybe we didn't with 1999 because The Green Mile was nominated for Best Picture. The Sixth Sense was nominated for Best Picture. And American Beauty was nominated and won Best Picture. But also, Brandon, we are working our way through the IMDb Top 250. That's why we started at Shawshank. We've had these different pairings. Green Mile was at 27 on the IMDb Top 250. And the reason why I picked those other two movies is because American Beauty's at 72. And the sixth sense well, is at one forty-five. That's nice. So uh, the other two that's movies, good. the Cider House Rules, which I've literally never heard a human being talk about in my life, it is on the list. But yeah, I mean, I've heard we'll of the movie, it. but no one's ever talks about that movie. Yeah, and I then the other one is the Insider, which I have heard really good things about, directed by Michael yeah. Mann, who made uh, Heat like and Collateral. The journalist one right it's the one about i want to say uh like big tobacco and someone kind of uh, whistleblowing big tobacco and 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 what happened with that um uh, russell i've heard really good things about it yeah i I have too but given the fact that we are kind of uh charging down the imdb top 250 in an unorthodox way but we're still doing it american beauty the sixth sense and given the fact that the winner is on that top 250 we're going to have kind of that same reevaluation that we did of 1994. And just like 1994, 1999 is considered to be an all-time great year for movies, Brandon. We've got stuff like, we've already talked about The Green Mile, but Fight Club, The Matrix, The Iron Giant, Toy Story 2, mm. uh, all sorts mm. of great stuff. I mean, I wouldn't include Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, but that certainly... Every- on IMDb Top 250? Oh, hell no. But it's certainly a movie that made its presence felt in 1999. It was a cultural phenomenon. But you also have Being John Malkovich, Galaxy Quest, Big Daddy, Blair Witch Project, uh, American Pie, The Talented Mr. Ripley, Any Given Sunday, Eyes Wide Shut. Good sports movie. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, these are good movies. Election, Office Space. We'll get into Blair Witch. I mean, that might be like the turning point for horror. Where people were like, wait, we can make horror films like this? And you don't have Paranormal like, yeah. Activity without the Blair Witch Project. Right. And a terrible 2010s for horror at the beginning where you had just a bunch of found footage crap coming out. 
but yeah, you're trying to make just pick it up exactly yeah because it's cheap to make but we will get to that when that time comes brandon we're gonna go ahead and dive right in starting with the sixth sense this one was directed by m night Shyamalan. he did have another movie that came out beforehand but it was a very small indie our type guy. thing this was yeah, our guy this did you just say our guy yeah m. Night, we love him right <laughs> I'm making a complete joke. I... <laughs> well, we've loved M. Night Shyamalan. There are some movies of his that I do love. Uh, when we get to yeah. when we get to Unbreakable, you'll hear me gush about M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, but when we get to movies like The Happening or The Last Airbender or After Earth or Lady in the Water or Old or Glass, you're gonna hear me talk my shit because I'm not a big M. Night Shyamalan fan with those movies he's very hit or miss and his misses tend to be a little bit more frequent than his hits and when he misses he misses hard right he tries yeah he goes for it but Real hard. the reason why he became this big name that's been working for so long and despite all these misses still gets a lot of opportunities is because of something like the sixth sense which was mm -hmm. just this huge thing in 1999 released in august of 1999 written and directed by m night Shyamalan, starring bruce willis tony collette olivia williams and Haley joel osment and this was the second highest grossing movie of 1999 behind star wars episode one the phantom menace of course that this makes made a lot of sense. 293 million dollars domestically 672 worldwide off a 40 million dollar budget so after this movie everyone was lining up to work with m night Shyamalan, and he kind of became a, a big name because and we'll get to the spoiler discussion after this but everyone was talking about the twist and talking about this great child performance by Haley joel osmond yeah but this is a no, psychological it's a psychological thriller about a child psychologist who's uh, played by Bruce Willis, and he's working with uh, Haley Joel Osment, uh, who plays uh, Cole. And this kid claims that, you know, the 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 famous quote, "I see dead people," and they're 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 just walking around, and I can I can see them. And it's right. about Bruce Willis trying to help this kid out, and this kid trying to feel a little bit norm more normal and also his mom and the the struggles that she has trying to connect to her kid as a as a single mother with a kid that's going through going through some shit yeah exactly not the best uh childhood upbringing um in terms of what he's going through psychologically um but i guess to stay on m night for just a second um it's pretty incredible that like he does the two movies before that like praying with anger and then you were mentioning the was it wide awake was the indie film that he did yeah right before this i didn't even know yeah. about praying with anger yeah exactly I, I had to like look up the filmography to like see that one i mean it's not i mean both of those movies are not rated at highly and then all of a sudden he just has back-to-back -back, like bangers and this was the first like distributed yeah. movie that he did fair and honestly props to him um the writing and the direction in this movie i really really like and the story is interesting and um i don't know if it works if if bruce willis and and Haley joe osment don't work as a as a pair together which is uh can be tough to find in like a 
an adult actor and a child actor working together. Um, but I really, really enjoyed the chemistry between those two and kind of how they played off each other. Um, and it really worked for me. And that's the best part of the movie to me is, I mean, it's a lot of the movie is those two together, like walking and talking or sitting around talking to each other. Um, being his like psychologist, uh, it really works the chemistry between those two. So um, that's like hats off to like those three, um, because I think that's really where the movie works. But I mean, there's a lot of other good performances. Like the mother's, like you mentioned, is a very good performance and stuff like that. But I mean, the movie does not work if Bruce Willis and Haley Joel Osment are not a good chemistry together. Yeah, and strangely enough, this is the second uh, movie that we're going to be talking about for both of those guys. We talked about Bruce Willis with Pulp Fiction, then we kind of uh, briefly touched on Haley Joel Osment with uh, with Forrest Gump because he was in that as well. But you're right; if if those two don't have chemistry, it does not work. And this is the role that, whenever people say that Bruce Willis was just a, an action star. I kind of like right. to point to this and Pulp Fiction as well, because he definitely has a lot of dramatic chops in that. But this is a very quiet performance, a very pained performance, and he's got to be able to carry that. Uh, it's kind of similar to the performance that he gives in Unbreakable in a lot of ways. And I know I'm talking about that a lot because that movie would come out the next year and kind of capitalize on a lot of the momentum that M. Night Shyamalan built with Bruce Willis with this movie. But they, they have tremendous chemistry. Bruce Willis gives a great performance. M. Night Shyamalan originally was not the biggest fan of Haley Joel Osment for this role because he said that he was a little bit too... He said he was this really sweet, kind of beautiful blonde boy, and he didn't necessarily see the pain at first and, and kind of the, the struggle, but eventually right. it kind of grew on him and... You know, it was originally offered to someone named Liam Aiken. Don't know who that is. Michael Sarah auditioned for the role. Obviously, a much, a much younger Michael Sarah, not you know the Michael yeah. Sarah we know right now. But I, I think that this casting was was tremendous, and I don't think anyone would have done as good of a job as Haley Joel Osment did as this kid because at first you have to buy the fact that Haley Joel Osment as Cole believes that. No one can help him and that he doesn't want anything to do with this uh, this child psychologist played by Bruce Willis because he, he's very apprehensive at first. And Bruce Willis is just coming off of a uh, a really bad situation where one of his former patients broke into his house and shot him and yeah. then killed himself in their bathroom. So like then he's walking. Yeah. yeah. So like, then, then he's walking around. Attempted murder suicide. Yeah. yeah. So then he's walking suicide. around, and he's like, "All right, well, I've next next man up, I guess." And yeah. That that's that's Cole. So they're both kind of looking for for answers in in different ways. Uh, and like also, he's looking back at his notes, and he's thinking like. I see a lot of similarities between Cole and like this other patient. Yeah, he's like, kind of yeah, having that so. whole that whole arc of if I feel like if I can help this this boy, it'll be like being able to help the other one, which I wasn't able to do. And it's right. trying to right those wrongs, but also 
Cole is just in a world of, I mean, his mom is clearly going through a lot. She's always very stressed trying to connect with this kid. Uh, the mom played by Tony Collette, who is just the horror mother at this point between this and uh, the performance she'd given hereditary 19 years later. She's really good at, at, at this type of, this type of role. And, strangely but it's a different role right because like it I is very different but it's strange that she was nominated for this one but not that one right that's that's strange because to me i don't know if i've seen hereditary all the way through but i've seen the scene that everyone talks about where she just like goes on that huge rampage at the dinner table and is yeah. like how dare you i am your how mother dare you. yeah i am your mother like, I don't that love the movie as much is, as everyone else does, but I great. love her performance as much as right. everyone else does. It, so she was nominated for this performance, and like I really like this performance, but it just seems a little weird that she was nominated. Um, yeah, I'm, it's I'm, not like I'm it's a bad performance. I I really like it. It's just there wasn't anything better in in 1999 than 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 that performance. Um, she I I feel like she is given a lot to do, and and I will say with M Night. The one, the one thing I'll say about his movies sometimes is you do get like quiet characters, like you were talking about with Bruce Willis's character, and it's a lot of like using facial expressions or like looks in the eyes to like really sell scenes and stuff like that. And I think Bruce Willis and uh, and Colette do a do a great job of like selling it with their eyes and with their facial expressions. And then Haley Joel Osment is like the 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 king of of that in this movie where like the looks he gives bruce willis you're like okay i kind of buy that this kid's like tormented by death or by demons or whatever it is like this kid has some issues going on like you can tell it in his face like you can just see it in his face so um i really like that part of this movie where like you said it's a psychological thriller and i i was watching it with my girlfriend and i kept turning to her because she'd seen it before i'd never seen it oh so wow. I, I, yeah, nice. so I turned to her sometimes, and I was like, "So it's like something about to happen." Like, I just, I actually want you to kind of spoil it for me because I'm kind of like on the edge of my seat. Like, I don't, I don't want what's about to happen happen. And then, uh, yeah, there was a lot of those moments in in the movie where I was thinking, I was sitting there like, kind of like stressed out a little bit, like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, I really hope this like doesn't happen here. And then like the the payoff would happen and be like, "Okay, like." That's really good writing, really good directing, and like the facial expressions are awesome. So uh, yeah, I'd never seen it before, and this is to me. Um, and we can get into grades soon, but this is a great performance by two actors that, like, like I was saying earlier, if they don't mesh together in terms of their performances, it just doesn't work, and it absolutely works in this movie. Uh before I get into some of my uh, other thoughts about plot and that kind of thing. Without getting into spoilers, just one word answer. Did you know about the twist going in? I did not. Yeah, oh, okay. Not. Okay, so yeah. I cannot wait to talk about that later. I'll table that now. We will come back to that, but I cannot wait to get your thoughts and opinions on on that. Uh, one of my complaints with the movie is I think that at the beginning, after the scene with the shooting... I think you do tend to get a little bit of that M. Night Shyamalan awkward dialogue that we've come mm -hmm. to know and hate over yeah. the last two and a half decades. And there's some of that a little bit more in the beginning than 
as we go on. And there are some scenes that just kind of linger a little bit too long for me, especially towards the end. I think I think yeah. I think that the I end it ends in a good place, but it just kind of it just kind of it, ends. it, it just like kind really of keeps abrupt. going for a little bit, and then it just kind yeah. of cuts off. Right, and I thought that could have been done. Maybe that's an editing thing. I don't know. It it just could have been done. Maybe just a little bit smoother. Maybe I'm in the wrong. So about that's that. interesting, and and maybe you're right about the M Night like awkward dialogue writing uh, style, or just like awkward lingering. But I almost think like that was almost intentional because like he's trying to make the movie like have some awkward moments in it. But um, I, maybe not. I mean, maybe that's just the M Night thing. Like you were saying, maybe that's just something that comes with like his directing style and his writing style. There's but I, I do agree with you that like the awkward moments do exist. In the, movie. the dialogue, I, I'll say this, the dialogue that is written for our three main characters, Bruce Willis, Haley Joel Osment, Tony Collette is really good, but it's yeah. dialogue with side characters it's that I think that he really dialogue. struggled with in this one. And I don't even yeah. know if really struggled. Maybe it's not Are quite that like harsh, but teacher? it's not. Like the, the teacher the, the, scene? The teacher. A one. There's a scene at a jewelry store. There's a, a another dude that comes into the story. And it, it it just felt like he had a really good that handle. That one felt like it was an intentional awkwardness. Like he was yeah, trying to be No, I, I get that. But it felt like his dialogue and the, the, the script was at like a peak level for the main characters. And then it was yeah. at just fine for the others. That's fair. That's a good point. So yeah. that that was one and, like a, and then, like a C C minus level for the rest of the cast. Yeah. And then there was a yeah. scene at a funeral that just felt really convenient. It, it like yeah, it wasn't bad necessarily. It was just like just wow, did that sure why not? Yeah, that happens. Yeah, <laughs> like sure. Okay. Like I like we'll the tone ahead. that it set up. It also it, it does feel kind of random. But I kind of appreciated that about it. Yeah, um, yeah. I did think this movie had a decent enough pace to it for a movie that is an hour forty-eight. It moved pretty well, and it it doesn't. I, yeah. It, it, th- with a less uh, talented uh, writer, this could have been two fifteen and had twenty-five right. extra minutes of garbage. Yeah, and I I do want to commend him on that because I've I've been telling Lindsay like when we get out of certain movies, I'm like. Oh, that movie should have been like 30 minutes long. And she's like, man, you're really on like a kick of like movies need to be longer. And I'm like, well, some do like some need to like expand a little bit more 30 minutes. This was per- like maybe he could have done an extra five minutes or maybe he could have like cut out some like ending stuff that would have made like the ending a little tighter and stuff like that. But for the most part, this being an hour and 48 minutes, that's that's golden. Like he he nailed the pacing of the movie. Like the pacing is really well done. And there's really no moments in the movie outside of a couple of awkward stretches where you go like, eh, was that scene like a like unnecessary? Like there's a couple of unnecessary scenes, but for the most part, you're not like lingering in like scenes and like just wasted dialogue, wasted moments and stuff like that. I think there's just enough to kind of, you know, keep moving the plot forward. And like I was saying, when I was watching this, this is my first time watching this. I was kind of on the edge of my seat a couple of times. Like, like, okay, like what's going to happen next? Like, uh, can we get to like the next part? Like I really enjoyed that part of the movie. Yeah, I, I saw this for the first time 10 years ago. I remember I got it at Walmart for like three bucks. And I was like, hey, you know, it's 
on the IMDb top 250. Let me check it out. I'm yeah. sure it's not Bruce that Willis. I was like, I'm sure it's not that good because it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. And the only M. Night Shyamalan movie I'd seen at that point was The Last Airbender. So I was oh, like, okay. oh, this yeah. is going to. Maybe people were just stupid in 1999. It's like, no, M. Night Shyamalan was just making better movies at a point. That's just what it was. And he, you know, went up and down throughout his career. And I'm sure we'll get back on the M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, he's a heat check uh, shooter. He's a he's a Jimmy Butler of directors. He's a real heat check. I wouldn't say Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler is like a consistent All NBA player. Okay, that's fair. I, I, would I was say, more saying like I'd say he really takes chances and takes shots and like like it's a lot of heat check moments. He's I'm gonna like, say he's Nick Foles. Let me just go. For he's it. either like playing okay, yeah. at an MVP Pro Bowl level or he's out of the league. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. I, I that, yeah, that's I what mean, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, when he's directing it, it almost thinks like sometimes when he does stuff, he's just like, let's go for it. Like, let's let's really try. <laughs> and then it's like nowhere close to like. I'll, I'll give him props be. for no, no movie except for maybe The Last Airbender. No movie of his feels like, ah, well, they just, he's just doing what the corporate guys want him to do. It right. feels like it is, it is M. Night Shyamalan and M. Night Shyamalan on full, full send. But sometimes that's also a movie's biggest detriment. But I'd rather a movie suck to high heaven in the way that M. Night Shyamalan makes bad movies than bad movies like Madam Web that just came out where it's just like this feels like there was no creativity behind it. And it was just executives saying, put this in, put this in. And oh, by the way, the end is going to deal with a Pepsi sign. You know, it's. Have you seen Madam Web? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, but okay. I can't well, you, you'll <laughs> no, surprise. Um, Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Let's okay. uh, let's go ahead and give grades. Yeah. Um. Oh, go ahead. You go first because I don't have mine up. Ah. Okay. Um. I'm gonna give this. It's an A for me, and it is an A with a fifty-seven point one five percent. So it's it's a decent nice. A, but it is definitely uh, and it and it is higher than the Green Mile. I had the Green Mile at an A minus eleven point eight two. So this right now is uh, it's in front of the Green Mile. I think it's something I could rewatch a lot more. It's uh, you it's, said it's, it's, it's fifty two, fifty two, fifty seven point one five, fifty seven point one five. Yeah. So Green Mile. So. You like it better than the Green Mile. Yes. And do you think the pacing is like the reason why it's just like I think the pacing is a more is the rewatchable why. movie. I also think that and I, I'm I'm curious, maybe maybe you can rewatch it before the next M Night movie, whenever that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just kind of see how it how it is after knowing what the twist is and watching it knowing the whole time because it is a different experience and i'm not sure if it's a better one or a worse one it was just kind of the same to me it didn't really it makes sense there's no point where i'm like that's stupid that doesn't make sense but i'll talk about it a little bit more in spoilers yeah yeah that completely curious yeah yeah i so maybe I'm a little bit higher than you are. I actually have this as an A eighty seven point eight. So I really like the twist at the end. I really like the pacing of the movie. And like I said, I think Haley Joel Osment and and Bruce Willis, I think this is like exceptional. Like facial expression work. 
expressing your emotions with quiet scenes and stuff like that. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, not quite as good as, as Forrest Gump. I have that as an A+. But uh, it's close to an A-plus for me, and, and I really enjoyed this movie. Like, I think it would be on most of my top ten lists for most years. Like, that's how good I think this movie is. Well, as we get further, maybe we'll just have to go forward with some 1999 stuff as the year goes on and, and, and yeah. see where and just it just make a top up. ten list? Yeah. Like a top 20 list, um, yeah. But, yeah, The Sixth Sense is definitely a, a contender for something like that as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Haley Joel Osment did not win the Oscar. He lost to Michael Caine for the Cider House Rules. Can't tell you anything about that movie. I know nothing about it. And Tony Collette lost to Angelina Jolie in Girl Interrupted, which I have heard some about that movie. And I've heard it's not like a great movie, but she's fantastic. The performance is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's interesting that Bruce wasn't nominated. Um, And I mean, he gets nominations later, and, you know, he's had him. Before this, I think he's not. But, uh, he's I, has he? I I don't really remember Bruce. Well, let me. Has he ever been nominated? I guess I'm like blanking on if he's been nominated before. But he has never been nominated be right. for an Oscar. That's crazy. Because like to me, this performance and his next performance in an M Night movie with Unbreakable, like how did those not get nominated? I think that if it was going to happen, it was going to happen for the Sixth Sense. And it right. just it just didn't so just didn't. But he's he, I mean maybe people just think he's like an action star and like it just didn't work. But yeah. like, at the end of the day, like I really like his dramatic his dramatic moments and and I like him as an action star. Like he's actually one of my favorite like a- actors in terms of when I want to watch an action movie, I usually turn on a Bruce Willis movie. We so will, I, uh... I'm very interested that he's never been uh, nominated and was never nominated, I guess. At some point, we're going to get down the diehard rabbit hole, and that's one of my favorite action movies. My favorite movies, period, of all time. I mean, then they just kept making more, but it was like, it's still Bruce Willis and Die Hard, you know? Like, it's still Die Hard, so I don't know. I haven't seen two or three, but I I like four. I haven't seen them either. But five five was awful. Five was well, I mean, but once thing. you get once you get to the fifth installment of Die Hard, what what is the hey, Fast and Furious like? made it work? Fast Five is yeah, the best well, one. Mission Impossible makes it work, but I feel like there's more substance there. With yeah, Mission, Mission Impossible. Impossible's but best one was six, so they right, they right. found a way. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the winner of the Best Picture Academy Award. Oh my god, ninety nine American Beauty, directed by Sam Mendes, the director that gave us 1917 and Skyfall, which... Praise the Lord. Watch this movie and tell someone that, hey, yeah, this guy's going to go on to make one of the most gripping war movies of all time, as well as one of the top James Bond movies. Maybe the best James Bond movie. Maybe we'll the get, best. Yeah, we'll maybe the best. At a point, too. Uh, one Best Picture, he won Best Director. Kevin Spacey won for Best Actor, his second best uh, or second Oscar win after the usual suspects in 1995. Annette Bening was nominated for best actress, but she lost to Hillary Swank for boys. Don't cry in a bit of an upset. Annette Bening was kind of the favorite. It it was a close race, but Annette Bening was the favorite to win for American beauty. I have not seen boys don't cry, so I can't really judge that, but Annette Bening no Oscar wins to this point. Hillary Swank has two. So 
Yeah, and isn't Allison Janney like pretty pretty well? I mean, she's Allison really Janney bad. won an Oscar for I Tanya, but yeah. she's in this movie and she's yeah. a very a very small role. Very, yeah, I didn't even realize that was Allison Janney until like the last scene she was in. Uh, this like, was oh, written wait. by written by Alan Ball, starring Kevin Spacey, Annette Bening, Thora Birch, Allison Janney, Peter Gallagher, Mina Savari, Wes Bentley, and Chris Cooper, and it was released. September 15th, 1999 is the date that it was released, but it kind of had an odd, like, it was released in six theaters to start off, and it wasn't really wide release until October 8th, and then it kind of faded. It, 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 made, it made some money, but it faded out around Thanksgiving, and then once it got nominated for Oscars around Valentine's Day, it made its way back into the top 10 and stayed there until after Easter. So th- this movie had That's a very crazy. long, a very long shelf life and it made $130 million domestically, 358 million worldwide on a $15 million budget. And I kind of wish that those movies would make big bank like that today. Yeah. Okay. So in 1999, I was like, five years old at that point yep i could not imagine my dad going to see this movie and then like going to his place of work and being like oh by the way did you check out that new movie american beauty like i like how did this movie have legs and like word of mouth like i have like what do you say to people when you watch this movie you're like so have you checked that movie out because that movie's crazy that's that's what people did uh, this I mean, was that's good for it though. I mean, right? Like you said, with the with the huge money, like good for it because that's an awesome, awesome return. I'll kind of get into two cultural things with with this movie before we talk about the plot right off the bat. First thing is this one best picture in 1999, and DreamWorks pushed the hell out of this movie to win best picture. Yeah. Because the year before, and this is kind of a preview as to something we're going to talk about on the next podcast, the year before, they expected to win with Saving Private Ryan for Best Picture, and then Shakespeare in Love, and that no good son of a bitch Harvey Weinstein producing or uh, you know promoting the hell yeah, out of, out of Shakespeare in Love, that came out and, and beat Saving Private Ryan because DreamWorks was kind of just expecting the win. As they probably they should like, have. This because, is the greatest war movie of yeah, all time. Yeah, they, they like, should have won. But Harvey Weinstein was, you know, kissing the babies and, you know, shaking the right hands and doing all that stuff, which I and really... those hands had money. Yeah, I, I really wish that the yeah. Oscars weren't about things like that. I really wish it was just based on the merit of the performances or the movie. And sometimes right. it is. A lot of times it is. But... This was one of those cases. Like sometimes it's not. And a lot of the um, people that voted I, for Shakespeare in Love kind of said afterwards that they should have voted for Saving Private Ryan. So as a result, DreamWorks really ramped up the marketing push for this to make like, sure that that didn't please. happen again. And they did win. And this was kind of the right. favorite from you know beginning to end to win Best Picture. In 1999, which was already a fantastic year for movies, but also 1999 was a year that we see as one of the greatest movie years of all time. But very shortly after 1999, 
a lot of the movies that came out that year got a lot of pushback. And it was no fault of the movies that came out necessarily, but there was stuff like American Beauty and Fight Club and Office Space that were very, like, suburbia, consumerism, the, the, the workplace. Don't you just hate these things? Aren't these just, like, the death of the American family and the American household? Apparently, filmmakers were very frustrated with just, like, modern you know white picket fence life in america and then two years later when 9-11 happened and all that stuff was going on it kind of seemed like really that's what you were complaining about and it didn't age very well at that particular time and so a lot of people you know even uh, just a couple years after american beauty won best picture were like eh, maybe it wasn't that good Maybe it's not it, it it's overrated and it's it's not gonna age it, it's not right. gonna age well, but I, I just I'm I'm here to say that as someone who's wa- who watched this movie about eight years ago or so, and I didn't know any of that. This I also had the benefit of watching it before Kevin Spacey just you know, all the stuff came out about him and all, all we know about yeah, Kevin yeah. Spacey now. I love this movie and I think it's absolutely fantastic. And it's still in the IMDb top 250. It it's still got a uh, a prominent enough place on that list and it still does hold some cultural fascination. And I think that's for a reason. So, yeah, I, absolutely. Um so I've never seen it before. So again, I kind of got the treat of watching it for the first time. Um Knowing, I think I even texted you, like, knowing what happens with Kevin Spacey and, like, who Kevin Spacey is, this performance is weird. Like, it, it's weird. But I will say, it's phenomenal. It is a phenomenal performance. I did not know this. This was Sam Mendes' feature directorial debut. Way to come that out of the gate. That is a crazy debut. Guns... Guns so, blazing. Uh, this movie's about Kevin Spacey, who plays a, a guy by the name of Lester yeah. Burnham, and he's uh, he he works at with some like entertainment industry, and he's he's an ad guy there. Yeah, he's an ad he's an ad uh, executive, yeah. and uh, he's he's in the middle of this midlife crisis. His his wife doesn't have any respect for him. His kid hates him. Um, and his teenage daughter, yes, his teenage yeah. Daughter. And he just starts kind of fantasizing about his daughter's best friend, who's like also like 16, 17 years old, which obviously there are a lot of problems with that. Uh, Annette Benning's got some stuff going on. And then there's a a neighbor played by uh, Wes Bentley, who is kind of into the daughter starts spending time with Kevin Spacey's character. And then there's like a militant dad uh, played by Chris Cooper. Ex-Marine. Yeah. 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 And uh, we'll get, we'll get into more specifics, but yeah, I don't want to get into too many spoilers, but Oh my God, there's a lot of characters where you go. That's the character. You're like, what? You're like, what? You're like that, that decision is kind of wild. Let's see where this goes. Um, yeah, I'm going to start off with the, I know we we hate him. I I understand. Yeah. I'm on board with it a hundred percent. That's what I was trying to get at. I'm not supporting Kevin Spacey whatsoever, 
But given that we're talking about movies from the 80s, 90s, and so on, we're going to have to talk about some people that aren't necessarily the best, that have had things come out about them, and more or less kind of shower them with praise because there might be awful people, but Kevin Spacey became a world-famous actor for a reason in his performances like this. I thought he was absolutely phenomenal in this movie, and it's legitimately yeah. one of my favorite performances of the 90s. I I think he... Yeah, I can't even a, argue with that. I, I think he strikes a perfect balance of being funny, being creepy, being relatable, being volatile, being... I, I just think that this guy... He, He's fun to watch. You don't necessarily agree with everything that he's doing, but he's fun to watch. Uh, oh, you definitely don't agree with anything he does. Yeah, yeah. They they but. write him with a good sense of humor, but also at the same time, he has a character arc, and it's not exactly what you expect when you're first watching the movie because you're watching yeah. it, and you think it's just going to be all about one thing, but then it kind of evolves, and I, I, like, I like the way that everyone's character except for a few that we'll get to kind of has their, their, their peaks and valleys and they're not just static. Mm -hmm. But Kevin Spacey is yeah. the engine that really makes this movie go. Yeah. I mean, his performance, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to say another actor couldn't do what he did. I do think there's maybe some people out there who could have done it, but his performance is just incredible and it's just it's just bordering on like i relate to this guy but he like makes me want to throw up like like i just i don't know and, and then the funny jokes in 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 the movie and like the exchanges with his wife like those are some of the best like comedic moments of the of the entire movie, like the exchanges with his wife, and it just works. And and there's so many performances in this movie that kind of make you cringe a little bit, which is what I was kind of getting at a little bit. But it works because the movie is weird. It is shock value. But it's like a good shock value. I don't know if it's... I, I think when... I get what you're saying. I think when people think yeah. shock value, they think like the sixth like how sense, can we do something like nasty twist. Or, or, or they think something yeah. like salt burn, where it's just like, what the hell is this doing here? And this isn't necessarily like yeah. that. Everything is very plot-driven. Everything has, has strong dialogue. And I think that the actions that the characters take make sense. And no, definitely. Like, like for example, I I loved Wes Bentley in this movie. I thought his character was very interesting, and I think that his interactions with Kevin Spacey in particular, with Kevin Spacey and Chris Cooper in this movie, I thought were very strong. I thought that the relationship that he mm -hmm. had with his dad was. It's devastating to watch, but I did like the different uh, how you could tell that he put on a different face for every person that he talked to. His interactions with Kevin Spacey sound very different than his interactions with Chris Cooper, which sound very di different than his interactions with Thora Birch. And I thought that it showed a large range 
of West Bentley and I had as this character Ricky and I was always interested to learn more about him. Right. And I mean his character I don't think this is a spoiler like it's it's in the plot like his character likes filming people without them knowing and it's a creepy it's a creepy thing it's it's creepy it's cringy but it it kind of like works and and what you're getting at with like the range of that character that character paired with Kevin Spacey's performance as Lester paired with Thora Birch's performance as Jane like there's so much range with each character and, and what they're allowed to do on screen and what they're allowed to to kind of have as like character arcs and I think that's where I'm like yes there to me like there was shock value and like I can't believe like they made that decision or like I can't believe like this was this was made but none of them were like oh my god you made that decision just to like make the audience gas or just to make the audience go like ew I can't believe they did that like everything like you said has a purpose and there's a reason behind it and there's so much range and like the character arcs are just wonderful and I think that's what makes the movie so interesting because I was like 45 minutes into the into the movie and I think I texted you like while I'm 45 minutes into this movie and it doesn't feel like I've been watching this movie for 45 minutes. It feels like I've been watching it for like 15 or 10. Like there's so much going on. And it just happens so fast and it's, but it's not paced in like a bad way. It's not no, edited in I that think way. Everything works like beautifully. It's a two hour, two minute movie. And I think it moves even quicker than the sixth sense. Some, yeah. Which is ridiculous. Uh, some stuff I, I, I don't think it's necessarily a spoiler to get into some of these things. Uh, Annette Benning not having sex with Kevin Spacey, probably a good call, Annette. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just. Saying. I mean, Lester's character is weird. Like it's like, uh, but their also, relationship as wife and husband is like funny and awkward and like. But most weird. Most of the characters in this movie, you at least see. I get why you're frustrated. Annette Benning has this. She's a, a real estate agent. And she's always losing right. out to this one other dude, and she's just the king so, of real estate. Yeah, the, the the king of real estate, played by uh, Peter Gallagher, and she's just so frustrated because she's doing all she can to sell these houses, and it's just not working. And she's frustrated because Kevin Spacey just lost his job, and you know, in a really you know ballsy move you know gets more severance than he was probably expecting but then blows it all on a sports car because of course he is because he's having a damn midlife crisis so she's he's frustrated like, with that his exchange at that moment when she's like whose car is that he's like well it's my dream car so i would have bought it like of course it's mine i'm like it's just too good but continue keep going keep going and so annette benning I, I, it, it's not too late in the movie when this happens. She starts sleeping with the other real estate guy. So she's right. having an affair. Meanwhile, Kevin Spacey is having conversations with uh, Angela, uh, his daughter's friend. And it just like underage, not uh, underage, but yeah. Angela's also like talking a big game to her, her dad or her, uh, right. To, to Jane about like, I want to fuck your dad and I would, you know, I want to you know, ride your dad and I've been with all these different uh, guys, which I, 
I'm makes a, what I'm happens inspired. at the end end of the movie like not necessarily right. shocking, but I think it was the right way to go about that plot, and we'll get to it. Yeah, definitely. I think that that was written well, but also at the same time, you're meant to see the ups and downs of like this person's got this going on, and so they do that. It's not just they do this, they do that, they do this. Everything right, is right. everything is uh something happens and they react to it and it's just a, a constant state of reaction, which is how it's you like know Newton's we've got law. a great which is how we know we have right. a great script. Yeah. It's amazing. It's like amazing work of like Newton's law. It's like for every action there's an opposite but equal reaction. Like no matter what like um his wife does, like his wife his wife Carolyn, like whatever she does Lester just like reacts to it. He's like, oh, okay, you want to do that? Okay, I'll go do this. Like, okay, you want to do that? I'll do this. And it's the same thing with like Wes Bentley, like with, with Ricky Fitz's character. Like, oh, okay, my dad's going to do this to me. Okay, I'm going to do this to, like, I'm going to go and do this in like response to what my dad did. Um, I, yeah, it's just great. It's just an awesome movie. And it, it works. Like, I don't know if it should work, but it does. And, like, that's what is incredible about it. And, like, you said, like, a directorial debut. Like, who in their right mind as a director, as a debut, is like, uh, screw it. I'm going to do this. Yeah, let's do this. Like, whatever. Like, I don't care. Like, like let's put it all on the table. And, uh, man, I think you messaged. I want to give you props because I think you texted me. I wish more because I said something like I can't believe this movie was made um, or like I can't believe they made this movie in 1999. And you said something that struck me. You were like, I wish more movies were like given this, a, like given a chance like this. Like I wish more movies were made that had like this like feel of, yeah, let's go for it. Like let's like we were talking about with M. Night. Let's let's punch this through the roof. Like let's let's end it right now the like, closest thing i can think and obviously they have very different tones is something like poor things right now which is doing well but it's not doing 130 million dollars well it's not yeah. this big giant cultural thing and 130 million in 1999 too we got to keep that in mind. exactly yeah and that was a loaded marketplace at the time and it, it, again it went in went out and then came back and made even like, more money word of mouth had to be like insane where people were just like this movie is incredible you have to go see it the hype and of this were like, movie yeah. at the time was absolutely fantastic again it was the you know wire to wire best picture winner kevin spacey wire to wire best actor and out annette benning was kind of expected to win best actress but hillary swank pulled the upset and and then between the stuff with the uh, 9-11 that I talked about and just, you know, changing culture as well as the the stuff with Kevin Spacey. And I understand people not wanting to watch Kevin Spacey movies after what oh, happened. Oh, it's valid. I totally get it. Yeah, it's But at valid. the same time, I don't think that makes the movie – I don't think that makes the quality of the movie any worse. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good way of looking at it. Like separating the actor from – the performance like yeah the, you don't like the actor but the performance was awesome i think like i, I like house of cars like i think house of cars is awesome and it's it's awesome because of kevin spacey to be honest so there's yeah, I, I don't I mean, know if you've seen the movie so i'm not gonna spoiler it 
spoil it. But there, okay. there, there's yeah. a movie that Kevin Spacey's in for only like the last 25 minutes. And it's one of my all-time favorite movies. And he's so good at the end of that movie that it's stupid. And It's like one of those performances. It's like, this is incredible. He just comes out of nowhere. Okay. And I didn't even know he was in the movie. And a right. lot of people listening to this will know what I'm talking about. And we will talk about it at some point this year. But the fact that he is a disgusting human being does not make me like that movie or any other movie less. I think the way that I tend to do it with separating the art from the artist. And I think it's just a lot easier if we all just kind of accept that most of us do this. I'll separate the art from the artist when the art is good, but when it's bad, it makes the everything twice as bad. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a great. Uh, that's a good way of looking at it. Like, because it's like if you're a bad this person movie, and you're making bad art, then you're just wasting right. my time and your piece of shit. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm with you. I, and, and look, it's totally valid. Like, if if people want to feel the way they feel about Spacey and like not watch his movies, I completely There's get that. Plenty of other but, great movies out there. Watch those. Yeah, definitely. But if you choose to turn on this movie, like, just know that Spacey is about to rock. The, the entire like screen time he is just a rock star it's an incredible movie. performance he is so great i mean it's honestly one of the like best like i don't i don't even put this a good way because i don't know how to put this but it's like one of the best like character performances where you're like i don't really like that character but i like them enough where i'm like i like watching wow it. right yeah i, I can I watch like it all watching day long. what's going on yeah, but I don't like the decisions you make, but I, I like you as a character in terms of like just watching you on screen and how you interact. Um, yeah, I mean, this movie's awesome. I'm currently so keeping, you got a grade? I'm currently keeping a ranking of any Oscar winner as far as picture, yeah. director, actor, actress, supporting actor, supporting actress. And I'm kind of keeping a ranking of the ones that we talk about. And so right now, this okay. is the third best actor performance that we've talked about. And right now I've got them ranked Kevin Spacey for American Beauty, Tom Hanks for Forrest Gump, Gene Hackman for The French Connection. And it's close okay. between yeah. Spacey and Hanks, except for the fact that I, I'm not sure it really is. Because I just love... Oh, I don't think it is, if I'm being honest with you. I, I think that... And Tom, I love Tom Hanks and Forrest Gump. I do like, think, it might be his best performance. I think that Spacey's performance is much better than Hanks, but I also know that I want to come back and watch Tom Hanks as Forrest Gump a lot more. Mm, and so there one. might be a little bit of that playing into it as well, but I still have Spacey above Hanks because I just think that he he just kills. How rewatchable is this movie? I don't know if it's that. I, I don't. I don't really think that it is. I, I watched it for the first right. time in March of 2016. Autism helps you remember things. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's been about eight years since I've seen it, and I've never really felt the urge to rewatch it again. But. And this, then you rewatched it and you were like, wow, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, no, this, this is, this, it's a phenomenal movie and a phenomenal performance. Uh, the only really complaint that I have with it necessarily is there are a couple of characters that are a little bit more static. Uh, Thor Birch's mm -hmm. Jane, for example, is just kind of the rebellious daughter. And I don't really think that they do anything different with that character than anything we've I think ever they seen. Get 
opportunities to like arc as a character and i do think there's a range to it but at the at the, the hardcore like center of who she is she's just a rebellious teen like it's just yeah it's kind of it is what it is for me it's an a 83.45 percent which is about what i had expected this movie to a? be an a yes i i, I don't have this okay. at an a plus uh i think a lot of that is just I don't it's know. Weird. Maybe, maybe the middle. Maybe some stuff with uh, yeah, Wes Bentley and Thor Birch. I thought that their relationship wasn't necessarily the most believable. I, I no, I just, it's not believable. I saw it's kind I, of like, I saw wow, his interaction like, with everyone mean? else, and I just thought I don't see what you see in her. I get what she sees in you. I don't get what your angle is here. I don't get why you're suddenly so gung ho for this girl. It didn't really make girl. sense to me. Yeah. So I guess I'm way higher than you on this. Cause go ahead, let's hear it. To me, this movie is just it's just different. It's a different viewing experience from really anything else I've really ever seen. Um, I'm giving this an A plus, fifty point two. Wow. Okay. So an enthusiastic I, A plus. Yeah. This is. This is some great stuff. And it really stems from Kevin Spacey. Like, the rest of the movie is really good. But Kevin Spacey's character and his interactions and, like, the plot twist at the end and all this stuff, which isn't really a plot twist. Like, I mean, we can get into that later with spoilers. But at the end of the day, this movie is just phenomenal in terms of what it does with Kevin Spacey's character and his performance and how it transforms that into this like outlandish movie that you can't like stop watching. And I don't know when I'm going to rewatch this movie. I mean, I might watch it. We watch it like a month from now. Oh, wow. I, I don't know. I don't know when. And like, that's why I kind of asked. I was like, is this really rewatchable? Because like, once you know what happens at the end, I feel like the the impact is kind of, but if you're just watching it for like Kevin Spacey's performance, then like, I mean, I don't know. I could probably watch it like next week. So I, I don't know. We'll see. I did tell my dad that we were reviewing this movie. He was like, he was like, oh, you're doing the movie podcast with Mitchell. Like, what movies are you guys doing? And I told him one of them was American Beauty. And he was like, oh, American Beauty. He was like, I remember seeing that in theaters. And I was like, wow. I was like, this is awesome. I was like, <laughs> Like, yeah, that's a very, uh, very, like, it's just a weird movie to talk to your dad about. It's like, yeah. Oh, dad, you see that weird, uh, weird movie, American Beauty? Like, please yeah, tell me you weren't just... relating to Lester too much. Right, exactly. Yeah. I was just, oh my God. It's just, by the way, I, I love this movie. I love it. Before we get into spoilers, if you want to kind of keep track of how we feel about these movies stacked up against one another, you can, uh, find both of us on Letterboxd. Uh, Brandon is at uh, capital B, capital T, E-W. And his uh, his list, Movies at Random, is going to have the ranked movies that we talked about. I'm at Mitchell Lee with, uh, with three L's on, on Letterboxd. And mine is going to be called uh, PPA Reviews, but I also have lists for the different years. And I've, I, I work ahead a little bit. Brandon likes to keep it really fresh in his mind. Um, yeah. I, I like to kind of work ahead just, just a little bit. Uh, so you can see Brandon has, Brandon has American Beauty above Forrest Gump, which I do not. 
but I think that we... I'm telling you, Mitchell, this movie is different. So, unlike 1994, where we both stood up in unison and said Shawshank Redemption should have beaten Forrest Gump, and that should have been the winner, we can both stand up in unison again, because we do share very similar views, although you're much higher on this movie than I am. We can both stand up and say, at at least, you know, hey, maybe, maybe the Cider House rules or the Insider blows our socks off, but we can say that at least against these two other movies, the Academy got it right. Yeah. And, and that's why I kind of asked about Bruce Willis and nominations. Cause I almost think like Oscar nominations over wins is like as impressive. Like if you're nominated, like I know there's a lot of nominees uh, like every year, but if you're getting nominated for stuff, that means you're doing like good, good work for the most part. And so, um, yeah, I, I will see with the insider and house and, uh, cider house rules, but, this movie clears those other two by a lot. Like, it's just a great movie. It's an awesome movie. All right, let's go ahead and get into spoilers. So you've been warned. Spoiler talk for let's, let's just stay on American Beauty while we're here. Uh, okay. So where do you want to start? Because, like, I kind of want to start. There's a lot. There's a lot. start with uh, Chris Cooper's character. And the big thing with him is that he's concerned yeah. that his son is gay. And he sees the filming that he's doing. And again, this guy doesn't really film for any particular. He only saw one video. He doesn't really film for any particular reason. He just films what's going on around him. And so he films Lester shirtless in the garage, just lifting. Oh, not shirtless. Not shirtless. Was he not shirtless? Oh, he was shirtless. He was shirtless. Oh, was, was he naked? In the scene. Yeah, he was naked. Oh, oh he was I, fully I, naked. I, yeah. I didn't remember that, but so yeah. he's got his in the suspicions. Scene, shirtless. In the scene, you can only see from, you know, waist up, but he's he's fully naked in the scene. Because Lester is getting to the point where, you know, for good reasons or not, he's getting into much better shape. He's running. He's lifting weights. Yeah, he's doing it because he wants to have sex with a minor, but – that that's not that's not a great reason to get in shape but kevin's it's a terrible reason but yeah one of the worst reasons you can have but kevin spacey is kind of his character's feeling himself lester's feeling good and that's just what chris cooper sees so he's like all right i'm i'm throwing you out of the house you're you're gone i'm not gonna have someone gay living in my house and so he just kind of goes up to uh jane and is like hey if i needed you to leave tonight would you do that with me would you come with me which just seemed to me like a leap and a half for his character to make yeah one of the biggest outlandish things doing it right right so one of the most outlandish things for me is like how much of a drug dealer he is (laughs) he has like forty thousand, eighty thousand stashed away yeah and that seemed like wow i buy an ideal drugs no i'm just kidding uh after after his parents busted him sent him to military school and then like sent him to like the like a a mental institution for like drug like a rehab for like drug abuse yeah like he's still dealing drugs and has like eighty thousand dollars just stashed away like well, clearly that. with the amount that he was doing yeah he probably needs to to, to be on something because he's been dealing yeah, eighty thousand right. dollars worth of drugs before you turn 18 that, that that might be a problem but no fair yeah no it, it is but it's just that to me seemed like kind of outlandish but then i was like 
maybe his parents are like that clueless. Like they just don't know. And to be honest, and, and you mentioned Allison Janey, her character, I, I feel like she has like Alzheimer's or, or, or something is going on with her character where she's not all there mentally. And so the dad is just kind of doing it by himself, but not really. It's like one of those like weird, weird, like, they don't really explain it in the movie, and I don't think it's supposed. To, I don't think there's. It's meant to be explained, I guess, is the point. Um, and really, what you see is Chris Cooper and and Wes Bentley, those two characters with Ricky Fitz and and Kono Fitz, like they're clashing is like what you really see out of that family. And um, but yeah, wild, to me that was the most outlandish part. But yeah, go ahead. Wild because the ending is happening. wild. The ending Annette is wild. Benning's character. Uh, Carolyn Burnham is driving home and she's listening to like these like self-help or like pump up tapes. And she's like, yes, I refuse. You will control your life. Yeah. I want control over my life. I refuse to be a victim. And she's got a damn handgun and she's like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to shoot my husband. I'm, I'm going to do it. And at the same time, her husband caught her because he quit his job, his corporate job, got like the huge, uh, Start you know, working at like a fast food joint and caught Mr. Smiley. and caught and caught his uh caught his wife cheating in the drive-through parking lot. Which, by the way, that that's on you. That that that. Oh yeah, one hundred percent on you. Horrible, horrible. But horrible. also like Hilarious. when he hands them the when he hands them the food, he's like, "Do you want some sauce with that smiley face?" <laughs> The, the delivery like, is... again i kevin spacey was brilliant in this movie but while all this is happening frank is is gonna you know chris cooper's character is gonna not necessarily confront kevin spacey right. but just talk to him at first and then you get the i didn't see it coming but i should have he doesn't want his son to be gay because he is a repressed homosexual himself, and he starts to. If we're kiss. reading between the lines, yes, that's what yes. It is. yes. But Lester is also like I can understand why someone would get those vibes from him because he's just kind of like sweaty and shirtless, and he's just like the most understanding dude ever. Um, at least when he's talking to. Uh, well, and to be fair, he starts he starts running with like. Uh um jim and jim yeah he starts running with this other gay couple so frank is thinking that this dude is gay and he's having sex with my son but he starts to he he starts to kiss him and frank is like that's that's not really what was going on here now he lets him down really gentle he was not you know like he's like no No, like it was it, it was like well done but that was not exactly uh so before the vibe. we get to the big end, yeah before we get to the big end the scene where he thinks they're having the the that where he thinks lester's character and ricky's character are having sex together that scene is so well shot because all they're doing is is smoking pot but it looks like they're doing like sexual yeah. things in in the shot because from frank's point of view all he can see is like these little parts and he's like well, that looks weird. Yeah. Like, not, what not are they great. doing over there? Like, yeah. So, um, that was a really well shot scene, and it was kind of funny. And then, um, yeah. Well, I guess we can get to the end because the ending is what well, is. Yeah. Next up, weird. Lester's like, "Well, I'm not yeah. trying to have sex with a man. I'm trying to have sex with this nice young underage girl Mark right was. here." And That's just so, crazy to me. Angela's like, 
let's 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 go on and and let's do this and then as they kind of start to get going she's like hey i'm a virgin which was kind of like yeah i any any teenager that talks a big game like that i caught that yeah i wish i had known that in high school that like everyone's an aspiring model yeah, yeah, she's like an aspiring model too. So she's like, "Oh, I've done things to like get ahead in my modeling career," and it's yeah. like, "Eh, have you really?" Like, yeah. No. But, yeah, yeah. Go it ahead. Was, um, it was yeah. kind of, it was kind of, I don't want to say obvious, but that was something that I wasn't too surprised by. And then Lester's just like, "I'm not taking that from you. I can't. I'm. I'm. I'm done." The first, the first like good decision he made in like five straight decisions. He no, I'm, uh, he's because right he he handles the whole thing with Frank really well, and then I mean, okay, two you straight. Could, you yeah, could handle a situation of trying to have sex with an underage three, girl better three. by not being in that situation to begin with. Yeah, yeah. But given what happened, good job not moving forward. I guess I sure but what it, what it really comes down to is don't put yourself in those situations kids yeah, or uh, more adults that's that's the like obvious statement but his character up until a certain point and i think it's really the drive-through window at mr smiley's he just starts making like pretty good decisions where he's like he basically tells frank's he's character he's confidence. like confidence he's yeah he's like my wife is is like sleeping around with another man and i i don't care yeah well it's pretty much like what he's like i don't it's it's a it's a it's a character arc because at the beginning of this movie if if she had said that he would have been like sweet awesome i'm going deeper now that's not his reaction in this one and then he's comforting with her she leaves and then frank shoots lester in the back of the head which did you when you first saw this did you think it was frank i thought it was his wife like i kind of thought it was her i didn't think think it was her you're led to believe it's her for most of them like the way they're shooting this the scenes together and editing it i thought it's to make you believe that it's her i thought it was jane for some reason because i remember that jane and ricky did it yeah had a conversation about like would you kill my dad and Jane? That's how they start the movie. Yeah, and so I thought that maybe that's why, uh, maybe Jane was the one that did it, but which is such a bold directorial decision, right? Like they start the movie by going like, "Man, my dad's such a tool. Like he just wants to sleep with my like high school friends." Like, I, I and then Ricky's character, who's a, her boyfriend, is like, "Well, do you want me to kill him?" And she's like, she like stops and looks at the camera, like, "Yes." And I does do. it start? And it's like, does it start with him kind of talking about his death? Doesn't that come? Yeah, up and that's the that's the other thing is the, the very beginning of the movie. There's like an there's like a voiceover where it's like, "Hi, my name's Lester Burnham, and this is my suburbia life, and I will be dead in less than a year." And you're like, "Okay, so his character dies," and you're like, "So Ricky has to kill him." Like that's what you're thinking when you when you first watch the movie. You're like, "So Ricky's character is going to kill Lester." And so, yeah, I was kind of shocked that it was Frank, like, to be honest with you. Um, but then it kind of makes sense, like, when you start, like, peeling back the layers of the of the onion, I guess. Uh, if, we're, if, we're, if we're Shrek here, we're peeling back the layers of the onion. Uh, it feels like it makes sense that it's Frank. but And then it kind of ends man. with that uh, Lester voiceover as well. 
which it isn't in it's like only in the big, very beginning and the very it. end yeah yeah he was like at peace with it he was like oh well i was meant to die i guess yeah and it was like okay um but I, it's also weird because i think if you really look at it i think in that bennings character with Car- well, like the wife carolyn i think she was going to kill him like, well, like I, think, I don't think that's made up i think yeah, that like she, she was going to go in the house with the with, gun with that intention but i don't think she would have done it right because then she gets in the house she sees his head blown off and she's like are his head blown and she's like oh crap i have this like gun and people are going to think it was me she like has to hide it like in the laundry basket or she something, also which... seems like sad about him dying right yeah she's like torn up about it yeah and so that's why fair, i didn't think that he she was gonna do it right that's a good point that's no i mean that's a good point and the way that that scene is is shot is it works like it just works like Sam Mendes does a really good job directing it and it just it just works um it's one of those things where like you see the gun in the frame and then the trigger gets pulled and then you see the blood splat splatter on the wall and um yeah it just works as an as an ending scene and to me it was like one of the best endings I've I've seen in a while in terms of like how that movie wrapped up but some of the decisions that to get there were like kind of insane um yeah i mean is there anything else in the movie i mean ricky ricky's character is weird as we were talking about like like you said like he loves filming stuff around him but like he also is like a creep like he also is a creep so i don't know is there anything else you want to really touch on i mean outside of ricky's character i don't really got much um, i think it's time for six cents wild yeah so do you just want to go with the plot twist? Because I think that like the best right. way to talk about this movie is to just go ahead and dive right into that specific detail. So okay. Bruce Willis was dead the whole time, which was something yeah. that neither you nor I knew going into our first watch of the movie, because I thought the big twist was that Haley Joel Osment saw dead people. I thought that was the twist of the movie going in. And then once that hap- once he says that, like 30 minutes in, I'm like, wait, then what's the twist? And then that happened. Yeah, like, oh, you were like, oh. So, yeah. So what did you so think about that? He, that scene happens, and like I've seen that, like you see that scene like posted on Twitter where people just post that one like line where it's like, I see dead people. Yeah, um, very quotable yeah, so, back like, in the early 2000s. Before. Right, you've seen it before, but it's just like I never seen it in context. So I'm watching the movie, and I'm I have the same reaction as you. I'm like, "Where's the twist? Like, what's gonna happen? Like, where's the twist?" And then as we started getting like farther and farther in the movie, I was like, "That's not gonna be the twist." Like, no, like that can't be the twist. And I was like, and then it finally happened, and I was like, "Oh wow! Like that's really well executed. Like that is, I mean, it works." it's it's believable too like if you think about it the way their interactions go i i just i don't think anyone else knew bruce willis's character was there and i think that's like the point is like only Haley joel osman's character only cole can see him so malcolm is just walking around and cole is like having these conversations with him and then at the very end malcolm's character is like well now that i've helped cole I can now move on. Like it's, I can now move like on to the next life. And then it, and then it cuts back to the opening, like part of the movie where he's lying on the bed, like bleeding out. And you're like, wow, like he really does like 
die. Like, but you go through the whole movie thinking like, oh, he survived. And like, he's living with like guilt of like not helping that one patient out. And then it turns out that from the afterlife, he somehow helped this kid named Cole. And like, that's, that's a pretty incredible like twist to me. So, I mean, how did you feel about it when you first saw it? Or like, even on the rewatch? I, like, how did- I was stunned when I first watched it because I didn't see it coming and it made total sense to me while I was watching it. But right, this was exactly. the, again, this was another case of the first time I haven't seen this movie in 10 years. I just haven't really rewatched it. So I, I watched this knowing the whole time and watching it that way. It's a different experience, but also I'm like, how did I not see that coming? Right. Because it exactly. is very like, even to the point where the that scene, I see dead people. They're walking around. They don't know that they're dead. And it's like the camera's pushing in on Bruce Willis. And it's like, how, the, how, how do we not know? Crumbs. He left breadcrumbs for Exactly, like, yeah. And I think that out. this, as far as M. Night Shyamalan twists go, this is the best one for a reason. Because yeah, yeah, you go back and you rewatch it and it's like... No, this all adds up because a lot of twists. It's just like you pulled that out of your ass. There's no way. This is not one of those. This is one where it's right. like, hey, it was laid out for you, and you could have figured this out before the the characters did, but you didn't because the plot was so interesting that you weren't really thinking about all that. You're kind of rooting for Malcolm's character. You're like, yeah, like his marriage is falling apart, and like, but he also feels like but he he's has, trying to help Cole. He also feels like he has to do this to right some wrongs of his past. And he does. He, I mean, that whole thing with the the, the funeral, they go to this little girl's funeral that uh, Cole sees in his little, like, red tent area, which is just terrifying. That scene. Just, yeah, just, that scene. Is. Terrifying. Uh, I did not expect that. That was, that really took the piss out of me the first time I watched when... it and the second time I watched it. When his character Cole hands the dad the the video, I'm like, like what's well, I, this? I, I'm like, this could be anything to be. But it also felt very convenient. Yeah. But it did have like a oh fuck, like because it's about the no, guy's that's what I was daughter. Say. It's like a shock thing. It's and like, then you oh. find out that um, her mother's been like poisoning her food. Right, poisoning her. So she's she putting like, on this like stupid ass good. play that's actually kind of funny. Um, like, <laughs> if you dance with me, I'll make you a deal. If you dance with me and you don't like how I'm dancing, you can kick me. And so it's really funny. So then she knows that her mom's coming. So she puts that stuff down and she goes to bed, but she doesn't stop filming. And her mom's preparing her food. Do you food. think she knew? Yeah. Do you think she like knew? Yeah, that's I don't, that's the sense I get. I don't know. It just, I it think the little kind girl of, knew. It seemed kind of convenient to me. Oh, that the camera was there. Yeah, yeah, it was just like, okay, sure, why not? Um, it had a good ambiance to it, and it fit this. The, I mean, it fit the tone of the movie, and it's believable. But it's also like, wow, that mom is like really evil. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. And there are some evil. There are some evil people out there. Yeah, but man, just the scenes where they like show the dead people that Cole sees, like some of them, you're just like, wow, like that's a little like icky, like. Like of course, they're dead people, obviously. So it's gonna make you feel that in way. And this but... like rummaging around the house, and it's like yep. cuts on her arms and stuff. That was that was. It, it's, the it's the boy disturbing like the, his head 
his head like yeah is chopped off yeah like the back of his head is missing and it's like and then the scene to me that is the most awkward but it kind of works because like once you figure out that like cole's character is seeing what he's seeing the scene with the teacher where the teacher's like so does anyone know what this building used to be and cole was like well it's a place where they used to hang people i and the I, teacher's like where did you hear that and he's like i i liked that what like you didn't know yeah i did too i really liked that scene and i i really like how the teacher like interacts with him like it's awkward but i think it works and yeah i mean there's just a lot of those decisions in this movie for him night where i can vibe with it and i, I can get down with like where he's going with it and yeah, to me, that's the best part of the movies is, I mean, the movie is just like the interaction with Bruce Willis's character and the plot twist at the end. Like you said, it's the best plot twist of him for a reason. Like it's that good. I also think that the scene in the car with, uh, with Cole and his mm. mom, uh, with, with Tony Collette, where he's finally saying, Hey mom, I'm going to tell you my secret. I'm going to let you in on this. And at first she doesn't believe him because obviously she doesn't believe him. But then he starts talking about uh, clearly she has been broken up this whole time about uh, the loss of her mom. And so mm -hmm. he's talking about all the things that uh, his grandma, uh, his grandma would have wanted to say and, and why she's been like moving this uh, bumblebee pendant in the house. Uh, because earlier in the movie, he's like, I, I didn't move it, but he doesn't want to tell her that she has been moving it. Right. Cause he's seen his grandma move it, move it around. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Um, and so they bond over that and like, I did not expect to almost get a teary eye moment in this, but I came close. Mm -hmm. I, I thought that that was a really well done moment. And again, I thought that Haley Joel Osment and Tony Collette had good chemistry. Haley Joel Osment really just brought his a game on this. This was a yeah. fantastic, well, it's one of the best child performances of all time for a reason. Absolutely. And I think Cole Sear and Lynn Sear together, that scene in particular, like that probably won her the nomination. I think, and, I think that was the, yeah. the thing that got her the nomination. And did Haley Joel Osment get nominated? Because there's no way. He got nominated, yeah. Did, Okay, thank God. He got nominated. He, no way. He was uh, 11 when this movie came out, 10 when they filmed it. But, yeah, he, he was nominated. Wasn't really expected to win. It was kind of a three-horse race right. between Michael Caine, Michael Clark Duncan for The Green Mile, and Tom Cruise for Magnolia. Yeah, and yeah. Then but still, to be nominated in Mr. Ripley, but to be nominated at age 11... And they give such a memorable performance that is, you know, we're watching this movie 25 years later and still heaping praise on this guy for the work that he did when he was 11 years old. You know, it's a performance that's lived on. Yeah. And I, and again, like just the stares and the way the eyes move and, and, and the quiet moments are like the, the softer parts in the movie, like, those just work, and yeah, and it's a hats off to uh, to Haley Joel Osment because he really steals the the like movie, like in terms of his performance, is just awesome. So yeah, I man, this is a great this is a great duo of uh, movies.
Totally I'm true. telling you, I pair stuff for a reason, Brandon. I'm not no yeah. more of this Oscar winner and then Marlon Wayans crap. There's gonna be fair enough. There's gonna be purpose. I mean, every now and then I, I like those, maybe like once in a while, like a, a nice little random one. But no, I'm with you. This is, yeah, this is with a purpose. Everything we do is with a purpose, Mitchell. It's with a purpose. No, I'm just kidding. But, yeah. All right. Well, let's awesome. go ahead and uh, the next preview, the next three, the next one coming up. Uh, it's it's going to be our last like romance thing for, for February. We talked about how death can overcome love in the last one and the next time we're going to talk about two romantic movies that have you know been insanely popular for different reasons the notebook yeah nicholas oh, sparks rachel mcadams ryan gosling and we're also going to pair that with shakespeare in love which is a romantic movie that took the box office by storm in 1998 and won best picture over saving private ryan for we kind of talked about yeah. it earlier and we will talk about it more on our next podcast then after that we are going to get into we're going to start off with a tarantino with on we're going to get mm -hmm. to uh reservoir reservoir yeah. dogs and Django unchained and oh, then man, depending on when that happens brandon it's either going to be the february recap which will include dune part two because we are technically seeing that on the last day of February, so I'm counting it, but it's also going to include stuff like Argyle and Madam Web and One Love and Lisa Frankenstein and Drive Away Dolls. But you seen a Lisa Frank? You seen Lisa Frankenstein? No, but you have. I okay. want I want to hear about it from you because I wanted to see okay. it, but I just I just haven't. But if we can't get to that in time, our next random reviews, Brandon, we're going to be Fifty Shades of Grey and Fifty Shades Darker. But the only reason that was going to happen was because it was going to be in the month of February. We not, might not make the month of February, so I think I'm going to table that for next February. And instead, it. it's going to be our, a, a Matthew Vaughn-a-thon with the, uh, the Argyle director. And we're going to talk about his first two movies, Layer Cake and Stardust. Layer Cake being a movie that a lot of people say got James Bo or uh, Daniel Craig the James Bond role, so we will talk about that. Uh, Love that late February, early March. Matthew Bond is an interesting director. Interesting director. He, he's we'll fallen off, but in order to fall off, you have to have been on. A lot of people think, "Oh, Matthew Bond, you're going to talk about Kick Ass. You're going to talk about Kingsman." We'll 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 get there at a point, but. Let's talk about the stuff before he got the big franchises like X-Men and Kingsman mm -hmm. and Kick-Ass. Yeah. And we'll talk about those uh, either late February or early March. But that's going to uh, put a bow on this this show. 1999 American Beauty reigns supreme once again. Brandon, first of all, glad that you loved these movies and glad that you finally got to uh, experience yeah. these two uh, fantastic films that I have I've loved for years. So, uh congratulations on uh getting your 1999 on in a successful way. <laughs> well done. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm I can't wait. Let's let's continue this. All right. So, for Brandon 2, I'm Mitchell Lee. Thanks for listening to Press Play Action here on Jersey Nerds Productions. Talk to you soon.